is like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are back. Uh, this is the last week of our March theme. Um, well, I'm sorry. No, next week's the last week. I'm already thinking of the next movie we got to watch because I'm on vacation. Um, we are on the, the second to last week of uh, the in, uh, Jones and for Indies theme of March 2021. Uh, it took me a second to get there, but I got there. Today, we are going to be talking about Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross from 1992. Before uh, we will announce that next week, we're going to be talking about The Crying Game, which is where my brain was already thinking of where to fit in. Because I have a movie schedule for myself next week because I have a goal that I'm going to talk about when we get to what we've been watching. Um, But before we get into our review of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Corey and I like to catch up with what's been going on since the last time we recorded and, as I mentioned, what we've been watching. So, Corey, how's it going? I'm so glad it's Friday. Every single week, it's going. How are you? Ah, uh, this is like an extra Friday for me because I'm on spring break. Spring break, um, which I'm, you know, I'm not actually going to do any of the crazy spring break stuff that I don't know if you're seeing in uh, good old Idaho, but we got people at beaches in Florida getting arrested without masks and just having a good old time. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no fears for the the. I don't know if they're tourists or local people who are just, you know, living it up. But, yeah, it's like a whole other thing is happening. <sighs> mm. Oh, and we had, you know, today at work was all right. Um, had some cool stuff. Uh, I've been watching movies with my students before we're going on break. Um, I taught Get Out for the first time uh, with my, my seniors, and that was a really cool experience. Um, and then uh, I taught A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood for the first time with my freshmen. Um, and the week before we watched Won't You Be My Neighbor, so they've seen both the documentary and the uh, Mariel Heller directed, uh, it's not a fictional, but it's an exaggerated biopic kind of about Mr. Rogers, but it's really not about Mr. Rogers, which is what makes it so great, because um, it is about him, but he's not the protagonist, so I love I love her, I love everything about that movie, but uh, it was cool. Um, some of the students were like introduced to Mr. Rogers for the first time, others were like their parents had introduced uh, kind of thing, and um it was cool um and uh i think that was the only movies we watched this week we we were just finishing some stuff oh no we finished singing in the rain in my film one class so like those and that's not what we've been watching i don't count that usually as my been watching because i've already i'm not watching it in a traditional sense like i'm showing it to other people and i'm talking about it and it's broken up over days usually um uh, but yeah, it, it's it's fun getting to teach movies. I, I have to say, like um, especially when uh, I introduce them to films, and I can tell, like I may have introduced someone to their favorite film, um, because what we've been doing uh, in film two, we've been watching um, thrillers. So they watched North by Northwest uh, a couple weeks ago, the Alfred Hitchcock film, and I followed that up with Searching. Um, which was a really cool like one two combo on thrillers because you know north by northwest and hitchcock very you know traditional and then searching is everything on a computer screen with john cho and it's uh just such a different style of thriller yet 
you know, at the heart of it, they have the same kind of goal of putting you not a hundred percent sure who you can trust. And then, you know, constantly on the edge of your seat. Um, and man, a bunch of them, I think the whole class pretty much loved searching, which was cool because most of them either hadn't heard of it or hadn't seen it at least, uh, including my own kid who I'd been trying to get to watch it for two years and she wouldn't watch it. Um, and she, she saw it and it was like, oh, the movie is amazing. I'm like, I've been telling you that forever. Um, but yeah, uh, that's been my week is just, you know, talking about movies, getting ready for spring break. Uh, we got grades due like literally the, the day after we come back. So I have to make sure I'm caught up on all my grading, which I spent most of my afternoon just making sure I was caught up. Uh, the problem with current pandemic times is we do have a lot of students who are last minute turning things in and uh, we're trying to be graceful um and you know we don't want to fail students so even if we threaten a million times that we're not taking any late work most of us take late work because we'd rather the kid pass um even if it was very very late uh especially now because we you know we don't always understand why they're doing what they're doing anyways but especially there's varying levels of problems because of the pandemic so you never know what's actually going on so you just grain of salt and try to um work with what you can and not not kill yourself grading for four days because somebody turns something in late especially if they're they're being cool about it every once in a while you'll get a kid who's like hey i turned this in from three months ago why haven't you graded it it's like because you turned it in three months late i will grade it in three months how about that calm down you got a grade (laughs) yeah it's it's funny how that sometimes most of the time that's not the case most of the time they're very gracious about it they're just letting you know that they turned it in but every once in a while there is this kind of like it, you can usually tell it's their parents have looked at their grades and now they're panicked because they're probably grounded for spring break until they get their grade up or something. And it's like, hey, it's not my fault. I've given you plenty of time to do the work. It, you've chose Three months. not to do it. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, it's it's fun. It's it's all good. Uh, anything anything cool happen though for you? Like fun times or anything? You know, not just oh, it's Friday. Uh, I mean. Uh, I got to see a small group of friends last Saturday, and that was fun. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you do anything safe in this COVID time or, or not safe? Did you throw caution to the wind because you've been vaccinated? That's exactly it. Out there. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm still wearing a mask. I'm still hanging out with the same people. Still, you know, pretty much. I did go for brunch you're vaccinated it it is okay like (laughs) i i did not yeah so i went for brunch at a a small little place in the neighboring town i live on the border i live in boise like my address is boise but i border on the next town so we ate downtown over there it was like a late birthday get together because we couldn't really get together for my birthday and uh yeah, so we had brunch. That was good. There weren't many people in the restaurant. If it was full, I would have walked out, even though I'm vaccinated. I don't know. I still mm-hmm. can't, like, handle large crowds, guys. No. Uh, yep. And then uh, we went, most of us went to my favorite plant shop. Guys, I love plants. And two of my friends got me a plant <laughs> and, a, like, a cool hanging planter. I'm such a nerd. I'm sorry to bore you with plant talk, but... <laughs> That's that's our new podcast, Plant Talk. Yeah. Uh, it's the Plant. podcast where I sit quietly and Corey talks excessively. Yeah, I got a staghorn fern. If anybody's interested, I can turn around my computer so you can see it, John. Oh, look at that! I just like the movies. It's I actually, up 
I was like trying to count like your movies earlier. I was like, oh, oh. Honey, that's a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, I know I, we 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 have that in common. Um, why this but, podcast exists? <laughs> besides all the digital copies that we buy, because yeah. I don't really buy physical copies anymore, except for Criterion. I uh, I do, especially if something's out of print uh, or oh, not necessarily out of print. Different. But like, yeah. yeah, if it's not digital and I really want to watch it, which I'm going to get into in a minute uh, as part of my agenda for next week. Um, but uh, and then also, like, I I actually was going to buy Promising Young Woman on Blu-ray. Oh, and my local Walmart only had it on DVD, and it didn't come with a digital copy, and it was seventeen dollars on DVD. I'm like, what's happening? Like, why would I pay? three dollars less and not get a digital copy when i can if i can find the blu-ray it's i've seen it for 22 online and it comes with a digital copy where the digital copy right now by itself is 20 so like i'm down with owning that because i want like one i really love that movie so i don't mind having the physical copy and two it's one of those things where like sometimes you can get someone to watch it if you have the physical copy and they have like a, a player which that's becoming increasingly more challenging too it's not everyone even has a player anymore um which a lot of the streaming services have added like share it with a friend features like movies anywhere has a feature where you can like share a link and they have like four days to watch it or whatever what? that's yeah. rad uh, it's not every movie but it's like it's a it's a cool function but there's still like steps like they have to have a movies anywhere account not everybody does because not everybody follows the protocol and then um i think they they want it to be that they've bought something or that they've at least uh, redeemed a, a movie on their account so they know it's not just an account to bum movies off of me kind of thing so they're they are like limiting how it works and you can only do it like four times a month or something like that so it's not like free reign but it is the beginning of burkbuster digital so those of you who are listeners um, i still want a burkbuster card <laughs> i i should make burkbuster cards oh Please. my god um i'm gonna get sued by the blockbuster ceo or i don't know I, what happens there's still some somebody owns I, something i'm I, sure there are more blockbusters left than i thought yeah. i thought oh uh, oh i mean i haven't watched the documentary because i keep forgetting it's out but there is the last blockbuster documentary on netflix which so is ironic maybe. of course i so we're gonna skip ahead a little tiny bit to what we've been watching i started watching that and i only got like 30 minutes through it i heard it's kind of boring no oh no oh it was so interesting and like the people they're interviewing is so you know like i can't even remember all their names right now but it's, i'm pretty sure doug benson's in it yeah because he's been posting about it yeah and i forgot about his name i'm pretty sure his oh what is his name even in freaks and geeks but he's one of the geeks from that show and i love that show oh that's sam levine thank you yeah, I was he's forgetting a his Doug Benson regular name <laughs> in the show though. It's not oh, Bill. It's not Sam. Bill's my favorite. Um, played by Martin Starr, but I can't remember his name in the show. But it was very interesting what I got to watch about it. But then Bill was sucked in when he wasn't mm-hmm. initially interested, and then I was like, okay, well, you have to go to work, so I guess it will wait and watch it together. That's uh. true love, but. So we didn't get to finish it today. So hopefully this weekend. But yeah, I think you need some Burkbuster cards. Yeah, I, I definitely want to do that. And I do want to watch the documentary, but I've got a lot to get into. Um, so uh, let's get into what we've been watching. So we know you started the documentary. Yeah. Um, my my friend who was born one day before me messaged me. just like, you've got to watch it. And I was like, okay. So that's how that started. I already had it in my queue, but I Mm -hmm. um, watched something that you've also been telling me to watch for a long time, and so we watched the whole first season. 
I understand the Baby Yoda thing now. We watch uh. The Mandalorian. <laughs> it's like you already know some things, like that it's gonna be fine because we have old Yoda. These are not spoilers, guys. Yeah, obviously, but, if you what? But Mandalorian happens after Return of the Jedi. Um, so Yoda, Baby Yoda isn't actually Yoda. It's not that. Oh my no. god. No. <gasps> I He's, have to and tell that's, Bill. That's not a spoiler, that... like because we've always known the timeline is after Return of the Jedi and Yoda dies. In I get so mixed up on the timeline of stuff and like yeah. So but I I'm thought... a Star. No, a, a self-appointed Star Wars nerd. Um, nowhere near to the level of my other podcast partner, who is a Star Wars aficionado. Hi, uh, Matt. Yeah. Um, so no, uh, that's yeah, no. Um, so definitely a hundred percent not baby Yoda. Uh, we, he was dubbed that Dang because it. he it's, looks, they, he is the same creature as Yoda. And there has only been one other one ever shown in the star Wars universe. And, and her, I forget her name. No one her ever name. calls it baby Yoda. It's they're called the child. Correct. And he does get a name in season two. I won't okay. tell you. So it's not, we've only spoiler. finished season one. Again, I'm really bad at the Star Wars timeline, so don't come with me, Matt. Don't come at me, Matt. Or anybody, <laughs> actually. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm liking the characters. I'm liking that, you know, I don't know. Like, Bill's like, I like that it's all these little short stories, kind of. And mm-hmm. that is really cool. Yeah, I love season one. Season two is good, too. But uh, season one has this really cool of it's all its own universe in season one. Like, it. Like, you know, you're in Star Wars, but there's not like a hundred references to every other like character that's ever existed. It's like, hey, here's Star Wars stuff. Cool. And I really love that about season one. Season two, they start to bring in more of the other like ancillary characters and it's fine. I I just I really liked the self-containment of season one uh, because it felt new. It didn't feel like we were just a part of the saga anymore. And that was nice. But um but yeah, I'm glad you finally watched it. It's it is really good. I, I enjoy it very much. And we are getting at least season three, and I think there's a plan for season four, um, in the works oh, wow. too, or something like that. They they're not letting it die out. I mean, I have so much Baby Yoda merchandise. I mean, it is <laughs> I like <love> it. <laughs> everywhere in my life. Um, oh my god, I feel so dumb. I was just assuming that it's Yoda. Yeah, everybody. Keep in mind, me. he has a name, and I'm still calling him Baby Yoda. So you know what I'm saying, like. Fair okay some things don't fade um i have four pop vinyls up there sitting on the shelf um four different ones Corey, and there are others that i don't have that's the craziest part like it's just the child too it's not even like i have very it's literally the same figure with a slight alteration like one he's holding a cup which is one of the best things ever and i saw oh the coffee mug yeah where he's all like bundled up and like it's the best it's so great i love it Especially because they're fighting and he's just like yeah, watching like uh, so great. Yeah. Um, so Mandalorian, anything else? Uh, just rewatching Forensic Files and I have. And The Office. The Office. Is it not you watching The Office? I keep seeing. Uh, no, Office. somebody I was wanting to watch it, but I'm trying not to be a jerk. It's, um, it's other friend. OK, Um. I. Uh, oh, so. Netflix and I aren't really friends anyways, but they need to get their lives together with, like, uh, Forensic Files because it doesn't, like, autoplay to the next episode. And my hmm. seasons are backwards. It goes from season or collection nine down to one. And then, yeah, so it doesn't play to, autoplay to the next episode. It goes all the way back up to the very last episode of collection nine. So That's I have weird. to, like, keep scrolling through 
And there are like five million episodes of Forensic Files Friends if you've never oh. watched it before. So that's fun. Every time. I wonder why that is, because that, that's not how their normal format is no. on, on Netflix. So No, weird. I don't know what happened. Everything else seems to be working fine, but they need to get it together. But that's all I've been watching, not very much. All right. I've got a lot of movies. Um, So we recorded last Friday on the 12th. And since then, I've watched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine movies. That's not too bad. Um, We watched for uh, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Our episode dropped this week. Cherry, the new uh, Russo brother film that stars Tom Holland. Uh, We had to subscribe to Apple TV Plus to watch it. Um, It's not worth subscribing to Apple TV Plus to watch it, even though Apple TV Plus is only $5 a month. And there is a seven day free trial. Um, there's other stuff on Apple TV Plus, 100% worth watching. Ted Lasso being the number one sitcom that I think has been released in years um, that's on Apple TV Plus. Uh, Wolf Walkers, which is nominated for Best Animated Feature, uh, yeah, Animated Feature at the Oscars this year, which is my favorite animated film from last year. And I love Soul and I love Onward. Wolf Walkers is better. And um, uh, oh. The uh, what I another the another movie I watched, which I will get to, but I might as well do it now since I'm talking about Apple TV Plus. The new Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry documentary is out. Um, I checked that out. It's 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 a good documentary. Um, I I already was kind of a quasi fan of Billie Eilish because my daughter introduced me to her a couple years ago. I, her, I don't dislike her music. I have always made this joke, and this movie proved it to me is it, the her producer is her brother and they made most of her album that is now one of the best selling albums in the last couple of years um in her basement like a uh, in their parents house and i've always made the joke that her singing is good but it sounds like she's she can't be very loud because she might wake up her parents and like that's a hundred percent part of why because if you ever listen she's like i'm like yeah be louder be freaking louder i can't hear you like i have to turn my volume up like 10 more than any other song. Like it's not an exaggeration in my truck. If a song comes on for Billie Eilish, if I don't turn the volume up, I cannot hear what she is saying. And it is because she's legitimately like whispering in the basement. And um, (laughs) the the biggest proof of that is uh, her, the song she did for the bond movie that hasn't come out yet. Uh, The song's out, but the movie's not. Um, She gets, she recorded somewhere else and she's like belting. You can actually like hear her projecting her voice. And it's like, yeah, she can totally sing. She just doesn't, had not been able to i guess for like fear of waking up the folks but um well good on her for getting this popular mumbling man yeah uh, yeah it's it's so weird and again it doesn't sound bad it's it's more like a breathy kind yeah. of like but um it's it's very good uh if you like pop music because it is 100 percent pop music like you can't it's like dark pop i guess you could say but it's still pop it's upbeat it's usually up tempo the lyrics aren't upbeat they're usually kind of sad and dark which is i think why people connect to it is it hits that that uh sad kind of music mood yeah it's happy sad uh sing street reference um i got to watch riz ahmed's uh film from last year called um mogul mowgli uh which is it was at the miami international film festival uh online so i was able to pay and watch that really great movie um super in- interesting if you're not familiar with riz ahmed he's in sound of metal uh, he's the villain in venom um and he's in some other stuff, but I, those those are the ones that are most recent. Um, really good movie, though. Uh, it will be available at some point, but right now it's just at the festival circuit. Um, so I've been saying for a long time that the Joker 
uh, Todd Phillips, the Joker, was a combination of Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy, both Martin Scorsese films. But I'd never seen The King of Comedy. I just knew everything about it. I'd listened to a review of it a few years ago, and I've been meaning to get to it. I finally decided to do that, and it's excellent. Um, I really, really liked it. But what that made me realize is that I've seen almost all of Martin Scorsese's feature films. I'm like seven or eight away from completing his film, his feature filmography, not documentaries and not shorts, but I'm like seven films away from having seen every Martin Scorsese film. So I made sure I had access to all of the Martin Scorsese films. Thank you. Stimulus check. So, um, I have, I, I currently have, I think five DVDs and one more digital, uh, to watch before my goal is to finish Martin Scorsese's filmography before the end of spring break. Um, I watched one tonight that I'll get into in a moment, but I watched a few of his since then. Um, so I watched The King of Comedy. I watched Bringing Out the Dead. Uh, I watched his first feature film, Who's That Knocking at My Door, which totally feels like a prequel to Mean Streets, by the way. Um, and then tonight, right before recording this pretty much, I watched Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, which stars Ellen Burstyn and is excellent. Um, had a really good time watching that. Um, so that's, I've mostly watched Martin Scorsese films. And then uh, I needed a, like, something to throw on kind of a, a relief from the stress of the week. So I wanted a familiar comedy and I landed on. So I married an ax murderer. Now there's a TikTok thing that's been happening where it's like, um, what's something that you for no reason have, have memorized. I like know almost every word to. So I married an ax murderer. Like I can recite dialogue. So spot on, I think better than almost any other movie I, it was on HBO when I was a kid and I just loved Mike Myers because Wayne's World and that was like the other Mike Myers movie at the time because it was pre-Austin Powers and it's pre-Shrek and I watched it like every time it was on and I do I still find it to be hilarious the opening of the movie is a cappuccino cam essentially it's literally a POV from a cappuccino cup if you know me you know how much I love coffee and cappuccino up until I went keto a few years ago was my favorite drink because of Hudson Hawk, another movie that featured cappuccino. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just so I married an axe murderer. Um, just super funny. Still, it's 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 stupid. Like I'm not denying that. It's like Hudson Hawk. I don't deny Hudson Hawk is stupid, but they just they make me laugh and I enjoy them. Um, I was surprised at how much I could recite from so I married. There's like three poems in the movie, and I know each of the poems by heart. Like oh I can. God. I was like with him, just like doing the beat poetry. I was like, wow, I. I need to record myself on TikTok for this, but um, I then watched Glenn Larry, Glenn Ross, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. But then because of the blank check podcast, I've been working my way through the uh, Star Trek original cast movies. Um, so I watched Star Trek for the voyage home. I I have found myself to become, I have become a Star Trek fan. I like Star Trek a whole lot. Um, this movie, I, I feel like I shouldn't enjoy as much as I enjoyed. It's, it's much sillier than a lot of the, the other films um they they have they travel back in time to like the 80s so the movie's from 86 and i think that's the year they have to travel back to and why you ask well because there's this weird alien probe in their time that's about to destroy earth using what sounds like humpback whale signals but humpback whales have been extinct for years Corey. so they have to go back to get a no! humpback whale to communicate with the probe we ruin so, everything so they go back in time to get some humpback whales. And so it's like, uh, there's a, more? Uh, I mean, they get the ones they need and they are, one of them is pregnant because Spock mind melds with it. Spoilers for star Trek four from 1986. But um, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. It sounds 
ridiculous but i enjoyed it i like so much of what star trek does um i love spock by the way like i have become a huge fan of leonard nimoy and i was already a fan of bones but honestly i was a fan of bones more from uh the jj abrams star trek because carl urban's freaking awesome he's great um, but bones is just so great all the time because he's sarcastic and he always acts like he doesn't like care about everything but he totally cares about everything and uh, i just i love him um i gotta say I, I don't dislike Chekhov. I like Anton's Chekhov a little more. Just <sighs> just saying. Um, but I, honestly, what is I don't know why I've been so resistant to Star Trek for so long because I am hooked, and uh, I I really do need to dive into the series. Um, and I have Paramount Plus now, and they have like all the new Star Trek series, and I'm like I really kind of want to watch Picard, but I need to catch up with Next Generation. So. I don't know. I think I might be a. Uh, I think the correct term is a trekker. That is the non-derogatory version of Trekkie that uh, I learned from the movie Fanboys. Um, Trekkie is derogatory. Apparently, and I have not done any fact checking from that, but I believe that is a joke made in Fanboys. And then I was listening to I think Blank Check. I think uh, David did not refer to himself as a Trekkie, but a trekker. Um, and I think the 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 set there is that you are with them so you are a trekker like if you were doing something you are a carrier i don't have a good example i'm tired it's late um interesting that's what i've been watching let's take a quick break and when we come back we will get into our review of glenn gary glenn ross not two different movies folks one movie we'll be right back hey this is matt from what i watched tonight Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director focus shows, end of year rankings, start of the year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross was from 1992 and directed by, you know who, James Foley. Uh, he's done such great movies as other things I've never seen, such as Close Range. Uh, After Dark, My Sweet, and uh, some episodes of House of Cards, which I have seen. Oh, and most importantly, how is this not in his top four? Um, Fifty Shades Freed and Fifty Shades Darker. Well, I don't think either of those are good. Those are much bigger name movies than the other three, and I feel confident in saying that. Although, at close range has Sean Penn and Christopher Walken, but I've never heard of it, and I feel like I should have. Although, I know there are movies I've never heard of that I should have. Generally speaking, if it's a big movie, I at least am aware of it. And having no knowledge of it throws me. Maybe he no, he directed it. Um. Anyways, uh, this movie's got its fame mainly for its script because it's written by David Mamet, based on the play by David Mamet. Um, and it, it's got a pretty big cast. I don't know. You might have heard of some of these guys. Al Pacino. Al Pacino. I don't know how to say that. Pacino. Uh, Al. Pacino. Let's go. Um, Al Pistachio. Uh better known as al pacino sorry that's how you say it um jack lemon eight lemon um alec baldwin alan arkin ed oh. harris kevin spicer uh jonathan price <laughs> bruce altman and uh jude kickakill um so i uh i had seen one scene from this movie prior to watching this movie and that was the alec baldwin scene had no idea he was only in one scene i totally thought he was going to be like a major character he's in one scene and i've seen it so i was kind of disappointed in that regard i was like oh well that's kind of a spoiler i guess that um i'd seen it prior but 
Uh, not to mention that he has some of the most memorable lines in this movie. I have been saying coffees for closers since I watched this. Um, I, so I, I, I was expecting more because I've heard how like great this movie is, but I loved it anyways. Like um, I, the dialogue is, is just so amazing. And I, I am a Jack Lemon fan. Um, especially like old school Jack Lemon. Like I love the apartment and I love uh, the odd couple. I love 12 angry men. Um, uh, oh, what's the movie where he dresses up as a woman um, with Marilyn Monroe. Oh my God. I can't think of the title. Um, Gentlemen prefer blondes. That's not the right one. That's another Marilyn Monroe movie. Oh, oh, well um, I love that movie that I can't think of the name of. So clearly I love it so much, but um, I, I, you know, and Al Pacino, this is right before Scent of a Woman, I think, or it's right after, but I, th I think it's right before. And it's funny because I think Al Pacino is a really good actor until there's that point. And I think Scent of the Woman is where it starts to kind of like, oh, wait, maybe he's, maybe he's lost it. Maybe he's a little too like aware of himself. You know, he becomes almost a parody. Um, Scent of a Woman is the same year as Glengarry Glen Ross. So he's on the verge of kind of, jumping over the edge but he will do heat and he does some other great performances i in no way am i implying he doesn't ever do great stuff again uh but he does take on more of the just a lull. well he does this kind of like he becomes a caricature of himself right like he's loud he yells a lot more like even this he yells a lot like he's he's not in it as much as i expected either because really jack lemon feels like the main character like because he's the one there's the most tilt at risk with him I think the emotional stakes are highest with him because you know he's got something going on with his kid. You don't fully know what it is. Um, that's I think this movie does really interestingly is it, it gives you enough to latch on to the characters, but never really giving you a whole picture of any of them. Um, and I, I, you know, I, th uh, I thought Ed Harris as always is really good, and I, I love Alan Arkin. So this is just movies. Just I was just eating it up. They're they're great actors being great actors. There are no women in this movie except for like the the there's a lot of women referred to on the phone um but uh there's there's zero women in this film which i didn't really put together till like just now which is obvious there's i didn't know. either but like not even of the places that they go yeah it, which yeah in the restaurants i don't think there's yeah any. Mm. but um and that's not necessarily a criticism it's just like it's not because this is a, it seems to be about a type of man, like a salesman, in a very literal sense. Um, I wasn't a hundred percent. I think that's where I was the most lost with the plot. Is I didn't fully understand any of like the economic elements that they're referring to, or like the scheming, like property. Like I've heard of this type of thing, but I know nothing about it in a real meaningful way. So a lot of the plot stuff, I'm just like, wait, what are they selling? I don't understand. I don't understand. Are they actually selling something? And I don't know. I definitely know that that's not a job for me because I hate calling people and asking them to do things. And it's like, that's, you have, not only do you have to do it, you have to do it a lot. And a lot of the same people, um, I, I, I don't fully understand because it, it wasn't, there were leads that would get like and i understand the concept of a lead is like this is a person who might be interested in buying so you call them and sell them but at the same time no one they were calling seemed interested in buying so where how they became leads uh was unclear and there was one character um played by uh bruce altman 
who seemed to uh, give us a little bit more insight into how he got on the list of leads. Um, but it's still like, it's obviously a scam of sorts, right? Like they're, they're not selling stuff people really want. Um, and that's, I think most in, in the uh, Al Pacino storyline, I think you see that the most, but um, that was the part where I was probably the least invested was the plot, that plot element. I was very invested in the characters and I was just eating up the dialogue. I just found that to be endlessly compelling, especially because of the performances. And um, Lemon is just so phenomenal. Like he brings so much emotion in every scene when he's angry and he's yelling. And then when he's upset or when he's worried, he just, he just shifts so perfectly. And Shelly is the character's name. I just, I just really, really connected with him. Uh, and not like, not like I felt like him, mind you. I just was like, I want to know what's going on with this guy. I was really into that. And same same with uh, Al Pacino's character. But yeah, he's definitely the most empathetic. But at the same time, you can't fully excuse what he's doing, right? Like, there, you're not like writing him a pass where you're like, yeah, yeah, he's the good guy. It's like, no, you know, I don't think any of these people are good guys. But you you have the most sympathy for him like he seems like he's the guy who got pulled into this world and now can't get out and maybe wants to get out but doesn't know what else to do and then starts to maybe fall back in because you kind of see like it's almost the the gambler fallacy like he's done well in this before so he knows that there's potential to make money but now he doesn't really have another way to make money so he's just kind of stuck here and he's not making money anymore because he is the old guy he's the odd man out um, but, uh, and I was happy that, um, Kevin Spacey was not, I mean, he's in it a lot, but he's not the guy. He's just more or less a guy that everyone yells at and gets, he does get a, maybe too good of a scene later given the current circumstance, but otherwise, uh, I, I really like this. What did you think of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Corey? Um, you know, I think that it was well acted and I definitely, think that it's a good film but I don't really know if it's definitely not a favorite for me I don't know how soon I'd go back to watch it again I don't think I would have chosen it like to watch for myself or I don't know necessarily looked for it not if not for the club the club um. I, I like I'm, I'm just looking at the reviews on uh, Metacritic and um, the New York Times Vincent Canby gave it a hundred and I, I think I think the reason I enjoyed it so much is kind of this he's like um, the reason the film prompts laughter and finally elation is not because it's jolly or has it any feel-good words to live by it's because of the utterly demonic skill with which these foul mouth characters carve one another up in futile attempts to stave off disaster it's ultimately like a roast where they're just taking turns, like lighting up the other. And I think that's what I enjoyed is this like, it's like a rap battle with, with like dialogue instead of, uh, you know, rap lyrics. It, it, Cause they're, they're constantly like bad mouthing this one. Or I, I really loved Al Pacino embracing Shelly towards the end. Like I thought that was cool. Like to see some kind of camaraderie cause there's so much hostility and the only camaraderie you really had early was only ever shown to get something right like you see um alan arkin 
uh, and Ed Harris like talking and collaborating, but there's a there's a malicious intent that you don't know about right away. And then the same anytime Al Pacino is talking, I think you're supposed to assume he's because he's the best of the salesman. He's working a deal. He's not being gen- genuine. I didn't feel like he was lying to Shelly, though. I, I did feel like he was being uh, genuine. I said genuine, like the, the R&B singer. I don't know what I was. <laughs> um, and watch uh, Parks and Rec. Be right back. Oh, man. Yes. Um, my pony. But um but and then like Kevin Spacey's character, everyone kind of knows is a, sh- a sh- you know a shill. They don't trust him, and I no one should in that movie or in real life. So, um, I I get what you're saying, uh, and I I I, I was just engaged, um, and I wasn't expecting, I I was expecting to be engaged, but I was expecting like a really intricate plot or some kind of cool plot because I've heard so much about this movie, and it's it's not that movie. It is. Do you enjoy the dialogue and what's happening with the acting? And is that enough to pull you in? And it, it was for me. I don't, I can totally understand why it's not for everyone else. I am a sucker for dialogue, especially if it's, yeah. if I find the wordplay super compelling. And I did in this, it's not, it's not like wordplay, like, like Bill Murray wordplay though. It's just like the inner, the, the word choice and how the words would flow and, or the repetition, like go to lunch like is now an expression that I'm just going to yell at people because it's like, Hey, you know, and then coffee's for closers. Um, it's, it's an important rule to live by. Although, you know, I don't think we I would, would not ever, get coffee. Yeah. I would never get coffee and I would cry because <laughs> I am definitely not a closer. Uh, but uh, let's get to spoilers and we'll, we'll probably wrap this up pretty quickly, but spoilers guys from here on out, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, uh okay so uh, this movie continues the ed harris trope that i have pointed out to many 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 people for many 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 movies if ed harris is in a movie good chance he's the bad guy right like it's almost a consistent thing and it's, he's such a good actor there are exceptions of course he has been a good guy Apollo 13 not a bad guy um but just looking at his filmography uh on letterbox this is how they order it truman show he's the antagonist snowpiercer antagonist gravity uh, to be fair, not technically in the movie, he's a voice on the headset, um, which is a cool throwback to Apollo 13. Uh, Mother, he is a bad guy. He's not the bad guy. Uh, a Beautiful Mind, bad guy. Spoiler, imaginary. Um, History of Violence, bad guy. Gone Baby Gone. I don't remember him in Gone Baby Gone. Probably the bad guy. Um, the Rock, <laughs> bad guy. History. Uh, National Treasure. Also, don't remember. Wait, which movie is that one? That's the second one. Never saw that one, so I don't know. Wait, I marked. It. Is Book of Secrets the second National Treasure or the first one? Wrong girl. I don't know. He's in Pain and Gain. He's in The Abyss. Uh, I don't remember The Abyss well enough to know if he's the bad guy. Probably. Um, Creep Show. I don't remember which short he is. He's in. in the, he's in Father's Day, and he is married is... to the disco lady. They dance okay. in the living room because that's so... my favorite part. My favorite probably part. a bad guy um he's not a bad guy <laughs> he's probably a bad guy uh okay he's probably a good guy in radio because he, i think he's the coach so that that's a good sign for him um i haven't seen some of these other movies uh but he's not a bad guy in in money. <laughs> oh my mom was in a movie with him i didn't know that oh what movie china moon from 1994 she's she, she's a flight attendant that you see the back of her head for like five minutes oh um, that's cool though I, I didn't realize he was this, apparently the lead in that. Um, 
interesting weird connection i have with ed harris but uh you know probably still a bad guy no i like ed harris good actor but it is a he does get cast as the bad guy a lot it's because he has he has a really cool ability of being like likable but there's like this edge behind it so even when he's like kind of charming and friendly you're still like i don't i don't is this real are you trying to trick me and then yeah he probably is he's probably totally trying to trick you um where Alan Arkin is likable grandpa, right? Like, he's always likable grandpa. I mean, Even he's when kind he's of not... an a-hole, though. Like... But he's likable. You're right. He's the one grandpa was... who's way too honest. But it's like, but that's grandpa. You just like grandpa. He's grandpa. Oh. Um, like, I, I mean, okay. Edward Scissorhands, right? The dad in Edward Scissorhands. Uh, uh... Excellent in that. I love when he gets him to drink the lemonade, but it's not really lemonade. Um eternal sunshine and spotless mind not no wait i totally just what little Little miss sunshine Sunshine. that's what i was trying to say and it just came out way wrong uh totally that guy there right he's cool grandpa that is literally a character there the dad from sunshine cleaning oh yeah yes um and uh going in style the uh the remake with michael (gasps) kane and morgan freeman i really enjoy that stupid movie i forgot he's the dad in slums of beverly hills I still have not seen Slums of Beverly Hills. John. It is, I have it. I have it. I have it. Um, it's on my list. Uh, he's really funny in Burt Wonderstone. That movie's not good, but I, I like Alan Arkin, so I was okay with that one That one moment. I always forget he's in The Last Unicorn. And he's in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, yeah, he's the police chief in So I Married an Axe Murderer, which I just watched and did not make that connection <laughs> that I watched two Alan Arkin movies this week. He has such a great voice. Like, it's just so recognizable. Mm-hmm. totally agree and there's just again he's just i really enjoy him um yeah this cast works for me and i really wish it wasn't kevin spacey because it is hard to like oh. anything he does but and even jonathan price which i just realized who jonathan price was in this movie like i know who he is as an actor didn't realize who he was until now that he's the guy that al pacino is working the whole time um because he's like super young in this movie yeah i forgot his name and i feel like we just watched something not too long ago with him in it we did um a hundred percent uh age of innocence mm. the uh, martin scorsese film perfect uh, which is one of my least favorite martin scorsese film because you I love don't time like period pieces yeah time periods <laughs> pieces i'm leaving I, now i hate bye, time guys. periods uh, <laughs> bye. Time. <laughs> um yep they're the worst uh not a fan but 2020 yeah this movie for me was just a lot of great dialogue um you know in fact this is one of those movies where i think we should visit the imdb page uh the quote section and just see i won't uh listeners don't worry we don't usually curse on this show so i won't quote uh directly but i will i will replace a word if i feel like it's worth saying um so let's see here what's the first quote uh you're talking about what? You're talking about uh, beat, um, complaining about the sale you shot some son of a who don't want to buy land, some broad you're trying to screw, so forth. Let's talk about something important. They're all here. Yeah, that's Blake talking. Uh, Ricky Roma. I can't say the first line of this one. You stupid effing C-word. <laughs> He's so bad. You, Williamson, that's Kevin Spacey's character, so if it makes you feel better, he just called Kevin Spacey a very bad name. Um, I'm talking to you, poophead. You just cost me $6,000. $6,000 and one Cadillac. That's right. What are you going to do about it? 
what are you going to do about it? You, like, I mean, this is there. He's just, there's so much cursing in this, like, four sentences. He calls him the C word twice. There, um, I feel like, though, that there's a lot in this movie that I'm like, oh, yeah, the 90s. You, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, you never open your mouth until you know what the shot is. Um, that's when he's complaining that he messed up his, his lie. Um, when I talk to the police, I get nervous. Yes, you know who doesn't? Who? Thieves. It's a good exchange with uh, George, which is George's uh, Alan Arkin's character. Just there's so much like dialogue. And of course, if you want uh, the, the arguably the best scene is the Alec Baldwin scene. It is in, it's intense. It's insane. It is the most quoted, I think, from this movie. Um, or at least I knew about it prior to this movie. <sighs> And apparently, at some point, Alan, um, Alec Baldwin did a parody of that scene on Saturday Night Live because he's a regular guest on Saturday Night Live. And uh, I think he's uh, like an elf uh, at like Santa's workshop. And he's like, um, Christmas is for closers is what I'm guessing. I haven't actually watched it, but uh, it is on. I did see a clip on YouTube when I was trying to find if there was any like I was wondering if I'd missed something with the plot because I was just like, I don't fully understand what's what like they're what they're trying to do i understand they're selling stuff and that they're not doing a good job like i get that it's that's pretty straightforward but i was like i feel like there needs to be something more significant for me to really latch on to this movie and there i don't think there is um it's just like this is just a time period and it's more about the dialogue it seems based on what i've read it is basically does that work for you it or not did kind of remind me though because like i'm sure you remember especially we're from florida um the whole like timeshare thing uh-huh. it kind of reminded me of that and i have known people who were in timeshares and it was a big old scam and stuff and it also took me back to shopping malls and all of those little tiny stands placed around everywhere that you could like fill out your information to win a vacation or something yes and later on when they're having that exchange at the guy's house and he's like, oh, my wife wrote down our information, and we've been stuck with this ever since. Like, is that what that yeah. was? Because I was, when I was talking about it at the beginning of the, the review, I was thinking of, like, going to the mall, and they have, like, the car, like, in the middle of the mall, and you, like, write your name on a postcard, or, like, the win a cruise, and then you yes. get bombarded with spam calls. So, yeah, those are definitely leads, and they, they lure you in with, like, the promise of something free, only to try to then convince you to buy something. Um, jokes on them. I was like eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or like jokes on them. I'm still broke. <laughs> yeah, right. oh. If I want something free, how can I give you thousands of dollars for? I don't know. <laughs> it, I thought oh. I'm gonna start a reverse grift where I put my number into things, but when they call me, I try to sell them. Something <laughs> like, You've fallen into my trap. <laughs> Check out my Etsy store. Ha ha ha! Like you know, just. I love that it's Etsy. That's <laughs> the only thing I have. Yeah, Not I even your own else. website. <laughs> yeah. Just go to Etsy. Pay those seller's fees, man. Um, It's kind of, I mean, at one point, we finally find out that they're getting recycled leads after they're being told that if they don't um, start selling. Are there five employees or four that are not Williamson? Um. Four. Okay, that's what I see. Because there's Pacino, uh, Shelley, Ed Harris, um, and Alan Arkin. And Alan Arkin. I feel like there is a fifth 
who maybe isn't ever shown. Like, um, because there's four names on the board, I think, and Shelly's not one of them. And so he's the one who's going to be fired. So I think there's a fourth character who we don't, or a fifth character who we don't see. And I think they reference, if I remember correctly, there's somebody they say, where's so-and-so or whatever. Um, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's what I'm thinking is the case. Fair. And it's just like these guys, I feel like there's no way, you know, you can win. How many times can you harass the same people and get a different answer? Yeah, I mean, and like think of like how they push themselves into their homes and stuff too. Like imagine if someone showed up at your house and was like, Ooh. Hey, I'm here to talk. Can I come inside? Be like, no, like one, even my friends don't get to come inside if they didn't call first. Like you're, you're not like, it's like, Hey, my house isn't clean, dude. You're not coming in. Like, even if it is clean, like I'm not prepared for company. I might have some other things going on. I don't, you know, like, I don't want to entertain. You got to give me a heads up. Like that's announce that, yourself that's, right ahead of time. Like, there's, there's like maybe two people who could just show up and I'm be like, all right, cool. Like if you showed up, me? I'd be like, well, how did you get here? Because you're from Idaho. Like, yeah, like I'd be like, I have to let you in because you've come a long way. But, you know, like if I'm like, that's why I don't talk to my neighbors because I don't want to create Dropping an illusion by. that can just show up. Yeah, like I don't know. Like, no, you live there. I live here. There is never a reason for us to interact then because we are that close. <laughs> like that is good enough. I can nod to you. That's all we need. I laugh. Um, I do the same thing. I don't know anybody's name. So I, I, I see. I, I don't know for sure what my neighborhood thinks about me, but I have to be the mean guy because I literally like will walk past people and not talk. And there's like we got this new family on the corner, and they got two little kids, and they'll try to like run into the road, run into the road to come pet the dogs when I have to walk past their house with my dogs, and I will like straight up just hold my hand up and be like, nope, and I don't even look at them. Because one, I don't think an adult male should be talking to little kids that aren't like family members because it, to me it looks sketchy. So I don't want to be the sketchy guy talking to little kids. Two, Stranger I don't want danger. my dogs to bite you. Yeah, right. And they're running into the road. What if like that's the time a car comes running around and like that's, I don't want, you know, so I'm just like, no. One, it also, coronavirus, like y'all don't know what I do all day. I'm with a bunch of kids every day. And yes, I wear masks. My students wear masks, but still you should be not coming near me because you don't know me. Like where it's, I wouldn't want this normally, Stranger. but I extra don't want it now. So it's like, um, the movie that, that I, I, this is, I watch enough movies where it's not like culture shock to see groups and stuff in movies, but it still always does bother me when I see people doing things that I'm like, mm, that's not safe now. Like, you know, it, it's like, you should be wearing a mask. You're in a, you're in a public place. There's a it's lot of 1992 you a and you should have been wearing <laughs> No, if y'all didn't wear a mask, we wouldn't be in this position. (laughs) Yes. Oh man, it is so strange though watching movies and just like remembering times that we could go do those things. Like, well, even in Star Trek Four, there's a scene where they go, uh, they have to get Chekhov out of a hospital, and so like they they remember they're in out of their time, so they go into the hospital, and Bones is like furious because he's like this medicine is ridiculous this is like they're so primitive right and so he runs into the surgery room and he's not wearing the mask and the the other doctors saw their mask and i'm like why aren't you wearing a mask i'm like exactly um you know yeah because you know but uh but yeah so that's our review of glengarry glenn ross i don't think there's anything else to add at this point um i am going to do some digging though i this movie has prompted me i want to know specifically what it was about and obviously it's a play 
so uh you know apparently there's a lot to 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 recognize and also i it's the movie was made in 92 but i think this the script is set in like the 80s um we don't see the cadillac but i think it's supposed to be a little a little earlier than when the movie because the play had been out for like 10 years or so before the movie came out so um i'm curious to know a little more so i'm gonna do some research but i i'm definitely giving glengarry glen ross the not quite golden pony boy rating um i don't think it's quite a must see but i think it's very very enjoyable Corey. I'm going to go with probably not a, no, I'm going to go with a decent watch. I feel like it's just not for me and it is very dialogue driven. And I know that we talk for a podcast, but sometimes wordy things make me tired. (laughs) I don't know. And they're just yelling at each other all the time, you know? Yeah, but it's like some of the best Hollywood yellers, man. Some of it. Pacino yelling and Jack Lemmon. That's fair. Jack Lemmon getting flustered is his thing right like if you think like the odd couple like he just he's like oh i'm so agitated it's like yeah you are um all right so ne- oop, that's not the right movie uh that's the right movie next oh we're staying in 1992 we're going oh i didn't realize uh, parallel to the crying game from 1992 this is Corey's pick and final uh jones and for indie movie of our month um this movie has a 90 meta score uh, the premise is a British soldier kidnapped by IRA terrorist soon befriends one of his captors who then becomes drawn into the soldier's world. Um, I didn't know any of that. Uh, I did see part of this movie as a kid. I don't remember it. I definitely don't know the plot. So it is going to be like a first time watch for me. Realistically, Stephen Ray is the lead with Jay Davidson as the uh, secondary Forrest Whitaker, Miranda Richardson, Adrian Dunbar. That name sounds more familiar than it is. Oh, Jim Broadbent's in it. I love him. Um, and directed and written by Neil Jordan. Um, oh, God, he wrote Greta from like two years ago. Did not like that movie. Uh, he directed that too. Um, I haven't seen anything other than Greta, which I did not enjoy. Oh, oh, I am wrong, Corey. Do you know what he directed in 1994? No. It's a movie that you love and I think is stupid. <gasps> Bram Stoker's Dracula! Close. That's that's Francis Ford Coppola. Shame on you. Oh dang! I uh, almost cussed. I was like, "Did he write?" Because he said it's another vampire movie. Written, right? Uh, this is write. directed. Though. Oh, directed. Sorry, my bad. I thought you said written. My bad. Um, it's uh, the Lost Boys. No, that's the eighties movie. Shh, yeah. I'm peacing out now. Interview with a vampire. Interview you hated Interview with a vampire. You were weren't you with you weren't with no. me? But I watched it like the same week that we watched Dracula. Yeah, I did not love the movie. Um. I, I don't I don't I didn't I don't really feel like you like really like vampire movies and that's fine I like but... Blade Blade is great give me I can't wait for the Mahershala Ali Blade let's do it um because Blade is cool uh I I like some other vampire movies I don't like a lot I, I do find I like the original Dracula like Dracula with uh Bella Lugosi the universal monster Dracula that movie's great um didn't love Nosferatu. I do blame that on my attention span and silent movies not just working. For I kind of love every. I kind of love Nosferatu though, just because of what it is. Like right, that it's just same. stolen. It's just stolen, and then let's burn all the copies. And the but the look of him. Yeah, really it's cool. really it's really awesome. I like a lot about Nosferatu. I haven't watched it in a long time, but. It's it to me, it, it's very boring to me though. Like that's the thing. Like it's good. I understand why it's it's a revered classic, but I'm just like it's okay. I you know, 
fine. Let's just oh, please end this. Uh, only um, lovers left alive. Love that movie. See, yeah, that's a Jarmouche though. That's it's hard. Like his I mean, his whole tone and style, and it's about music. Like it, the, in its essence, the whole cast is golden though. Also true. Although watch watch Kakowski is really rough in that movie. She drove me insane. I kind of love her. To. She's supposed to. Yeah, she's supposed to. But <laughs> that doesn't mean I enjoy it. Um, but I would yeah, point. I didn't love Interview. Yeah, I, I forgot don't... about that. I think this was around the time that we had the conversation that vampire movies just aren't really for you. They are not my thing. Yeah, I do not love a lot of vampire films. Um, there are a few that work for me, but collectively it is a it is a monster that I find the movies to be often either way too... One, a lot of period pieces, right? And like I, the, the I don't hate period. those. You hate those. I don't know why I hate those still, because I, I, I know that there are some that work for me. Like, I love The Favorite. Like, you can watch The Favorite anytime, and that is Lanthimos, and Lanthimos's weird tone definitely works for me more often than it does. And it has always worked for me, actually. There's not one of his movies I haven't enjoyed. Um, and Portrait uh, of a Lady on Fire love that movie but that's oh man that doesn't feel like it cares about it being a period piece like you know what i mean like it is but it's not trying to be a period piece it's about the characters and i think that works for me like um like pride and prejudice feels like it's about the period and like the characters are who they are because of the period like in portrait of lady of fire they're restricted and their their options are limited because of the world they live in for sure but they're not like snobby pretentious people because they live in victoria period that's the vibe i get from like i to be fair have not watched pride and prejudice since i was like in high school and i probably checked out of that movie like minute two i was like nope stupid there's no explosions um, oh my god but i was a high school kid i liked violent like martial art movies was my 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 cup of tea at the time and comedies adam sandler and jim carrey and a few others but predominantly those two guys um nevertheless uh i i feel like i can like a period piece like i liked emma period the the one with um anya taylor joy but i really only enjoyed that movie because i had seen clueless so many times that i understood what was happening because i was i was clueless watching it like i don't know what they're talking about who are these people what are their names and then i was like wait a minute that's right emma was what clueless was based on and i was able to one for one all the characters anyways i don't know how we got on this conversation the crying game is what we're going to be talking about next week and we are looking forward to giving oh because the, the director that's why there was a reason um we're going to be here to talk about the crying game uh it is available to watch on something i think and i will tell you listeners momentarily we have purchased it uh so we will be watching it because we own it but um and this was a uh, award runner kind of thing. Um, it's I think what gave Miramax its prestige title in in the early nineties, um, and uh, it is on Paramount Plus actually, um, the new service that is currently I don't know if it's still active, but they had a deal that if you signed up for a year and use the promo code year to sign up for it you got an entire year of the service for 50 bucks. Um, so a pretty good deal, uh, especially because unlike a lot of the other services, it has live TV built into it because it is CBS as well. Oh, interesting. And you get like four CBS channels, including um, I think mm -hmm. CBS sports. Like, so you can watch like uh, March Madness right now. If you have no cable in the past, you couldn't watch it unless you had like Hulu TV or whatever. But with Paramount Plus, it's a CBS thing. You can watch it. And so that's that's kind of cool. Um, so for 50 bucks for a year, which would be like easily just granted, it's only one 
technically one channel cbs or whatever but there's some good stuff on there they have a lot uh they are i don't know how into avatar you are and i don't mean the james cameron nonsense i mean the airbender avatar but they're they are uh there's gonna be like a whole universe built around that like there's a whole studio that is just dedicated to new avatar related content um that at some point is going to be coming on to paramount plus so it's cool um there's so many streaming services right now and it is hard to uh pick and choose which ones are worth having but paramount it has potential i don't know for sure like uh they don't have all of the star trek movies for some reason they have like it's odd because i've been watching the star trek movies on hulu right i watch one two and three on hulu they have five and six they don't have four i hate when that happens but paramount plus has four but not one two or three so i don't understand what the rights are with four that because paramount owns the star trek like franchise that's their like bread and butter um so i don't know why they don't have those movies they must have signed them away and then somehow got them back does it have nickelodeon it has some of nickelodeon which i don't understand because my understanding was universal owns nickelodeon but they have spongebob and again they have the avatar stuff um they don't have all the avatar stuff on the series because it's currently on netflix but they have the studio and they have the rights to the content um, and maybe a few other properties, uh, but I don't know. I think iCarly is getting a revival on Paramount+. Plus. Um, I could be wrong where it's going, but there, there's definitely an iCarly revival because Miranda Cosgrove has been posting on Instagram. But, uh, yeah, we're not sponsored unless they want to sponsor us. Hey, Paramount+, Plus, hook us up. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back next week the crying game in the meantime if you would like to you can follow us on social media i am at burke reviews and Corey at career star tours at the end and if you like what we're doing over here at burke reviews uh especially when we ramble for 20 minutes about stuff we didn't mean to um please uh, rate and review us on whatever podcast uh catcher you use to listen to the show that way other people can hopefully find us and listen and hear the ramblings of two tired people um, we'll be back next week with our review of the crying game and we'll announce what we're going to be talking about in April. So until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>